Hi, everyone, and welcome to The Mind Behind It. My name is Huda. And I am Sahil. Let's get into it. I mean, I went to like my graduate school to study hunter gatherers uh, and like in anthropology. So like ancient hunter gatherer archaeology and like their cultures and whatnot. And the, the way to trace hunter gatherer cultures in North America is through their stone tools that gets left behind. I feel like you're someone who's questioned life a lot and still does probably. Yeah. Like you have these really deep thoughts and you like before you know it, it's like midnight and you're like, He's where's my pizza? that might have insomnia. Yeah. Do you have insomnia? <laughs> oh, no. Clinically, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah, so what were you like as, at 14? Like, were these questions somewhere on your mind that you were like, I want to study hunter-gatherers? I was really interested. Like, I liked dinosaurs as a kid and like that whole thing. But um, I really was interested in history. I went to college for history first. But I was really intrigued by like the Spanish conquest and like the, the, the meeting of like those two worlds, you know. And then I realized like, okay, I wasn't really interested in the history. I was interested in those like clashing, like it's Stone Age peoples meeting like Iron Age people or like modern. Mm-hmm. So like, what's that like? And then and I got really... What was that time period? 1500s, late. Yeah, okay. 15, um, early 15, late 1500s. Um, mm-hmm. So got really into the Maya and the Aztec and all that. But then I realized I was just really into like Stone Age cultures. And then I just went to grad school and undergrad or undergrad, then grad school for anthropology and Mm -hmm. studied that. So can I ask a really, really uh, stupid question? Sure. Yeah. Um, In my mind, it's a really smart question, but I know when it comes across, it'll be fucking dumb. Um, (laughs) So you know how everyone in 2011 started going the Mayan calendar is ending next year? Yeah. Like the world's going to end. Well, obviously it didn't because you and I are here. It almost ended when Trump was there. I'm but being like, I'm what being do you like what do you think happened? Did the Mayan calendar actually end? Do you know about that? Um, I remember like being all into that, and I was like, oh, it's going to do it. But I think they're called Boktuns, and like it's like different cycles of their calendar, and there's like different events that happen. And like the Boktuns, I I don't quote me on this, but like like they end at that time, and it doesn't go past that. But I yeah. think what most like Mayan scholars said is like, well, they just didn't really go past it. And it doesn't mean the world's ending. But a lot of people that are like, you know, QAnon conspiracy theorists now are like, oh, the world's going to end. <laughs> like, it, yeah, <laughs> certainly they could have left a note saying that, hey, this doesn't mean that the world's going to end. Don't fucking freak out. <laughs> yeah, like, just could've. write it on. Because I went to Chichen Itza in Mexico and mm-hmm. that was my first spring break because I went to school in the U.S. as well. They have this really weird tradition, and if you have your voice, like if you say something out loud, it echoes throughout the way they build the pyramids. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, so they're called the Mayan pyramids. So the Mayans used to play this really weird game. It was kind of like basketball. There were these hoops, right? Like a basketball yeah. hoop, but they were like 10 feet high. And this tourist guide was telling us a story about how the Mayans had this game where they had to hit the ball with their hip instead of their hand, 10 feet high in the air. How does that even work? Exactly. And they couldn't leave a note saying the world's not going to end. Yeah. <laughs> like that to me boggles my mind because everyone yeah. went crazy. Do you remember that? 21st no. December, 2012, the world's going to end. There was a speculation about it 
in 2000 or like before 2000. Oh, I thought like in India 2010, it was like a big thing. Like the no. world's going to end in two years. What's going to happen? And like a day before people were like, holy shit, what could happen tomorrow? It's kind of exciting, really. I don't remember what I was doing. I think I didn't either care or remember that that was the day. And I was probably like, just... <laughs> it just you slept through it. <laughs> yeah, dude, something. Um, David, yeah, have, you ever, have you ever been on QAnon? <laughs> no, I recently learned like what it actually is, though. Same. And it like Can you shocked. tell Huda? Yeah, can you tell, can you tell me because QAnon? I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. So Huda is actually our guest. It's our podcast. <laughs> a life in ruins means the mind behind it. <laughs> Okay, uh, the long and short of it is they think that Donald Trump is the savior of the world and that he is saving the world from like an elite cabal of pedophiles uh, and like that the ruling elite of the world like eat the blood of children to like get it's wild. Wait a minute. Like, sucking Whoa. baby blood out of their spines and stuff. Like, I don't know. Oh, so you know, <laughs> I've heard of that before sort of inject themselves or something with so, babies or yeah, and children's you, blood to make you youthful. Youthful. So you, I have heard about it. This. Yeah, so this is a QAnon conspiracy. And just oh. to add, and David, I think you gave a really good uh, kind of 30-second summary of QAnon, better than Vice has ever done. So I might put <laughs> this on. Um, but, but so apparently when Trump came into presidency, this person uh, on the um, dark media, whatever they call it, the underground media, he posed as Q. So Q is just this guy who was in the parliament who kind of knew Trump personally. And he told everyone on the internet that Trump was going to save the world. Wow. And then shockingly, he got a massive amount of following to the point where, you know, on 6th of January or 6th of February, when this whole uh, people attacked the White House and stuff, like people were wearing QAnon t-shirts because they totally believe that Trump's going to come back. They still think Trump's going to come back in March and the world's just going to completely flip around. But it's a conspiracy theory with millions of views. I'm very surprised the number of people that actually are into this. However, it's also not a surprise because a lot of us kind of egg each other on and it's a community thing. It's because of quarantine. People were bored and they like found it and like just watched endless YouTube videos and got fed by the algorithm. It's kind of sad. But yeah, it's crazy how like widespread it is because of that because they were just bored and like I can't go outside. And But also like people genuinely made an effort to convince other people that this is going to happen. And when a yeah. bunch of people have nothing to do, they all start believing in the same thing. It becomes dangerous. There's like support groups for it now. Like I lost my mom to QAnon yeah. kind of stuff. Same on Reddit. Reddit has these really? QAnon support groups. Like people wow. who used to be ex-QAnon, people who've separated from their wives, from their children because they believed in this shit. But anyway, that was the there? point of this podcast. Oh, okay. I've got a great question. Okay, go. Dinosaurs. What do you think happened to dinosaurs? Meteorite and like natural selection just kind of weeded them out. Really, um, you think it was a meteorite? For the dinosaurs, yeah. Um, I mean, that was like a major part of it, but it's like the meteorite caused the climate to shift and then like that caused like a huge trophic cascade in the ecosystem and like the large animals couldn't adapt. But that's why mammals kind of made it through because we could adapt to like a colder climate, whereas like giant reptilian things just died out. And, and we're kind of approaching that again, right? Like we, we kind of go in cycles. Well, glo- the way we're global warming. Global warming, yeah. yeah, like, uh, well, yeah. What are your thoughts on global warming? It's definitely real. Most people here won't agree with that. But yeah, it's like, and like, really? that's the crazy Most thing. people? That's a massive well, statement. I wouldn't say most. I'd say half the country thinks it's like false. It's just politicized so much. But 
Um, even with archaeology, like you can just prove it with that. Cause like you look at like the ice sheets on the mountains, like they're all melting and like archaeological sites are just dumping out of the mountains. Uh, the sea levels are rising and stuff. And you can actually like study archaeological cultures here, like along the Mississippi river and like mm-hmm. see how those flooded. They're like when those flooded cultures shift, they're like archaeology essentially. Like there's more state level societies. There's different agriculture that happens. So like when the sea level starts rising in the next hundred years or so, like those same patterns will probably happen along the rivers here. And like no one's listening to the archaeologists like in most movies. The planet does go through like climate shifts like all the time. And that's Mm -hmm. like it ebbs and flows. But like those ebbs and flows are now being fueled by like our emissions and whatnot. Like the ozone's like getting like warped from it. And, like, that's destabilizing and making it, like, unequal with those shifts. So right now we're, like, pushing really towards a hot shift right now. And it's going to make, like, a swing that that way, you know. So, like, something, Walmart builds a new property. They got to send in geologists and archaeologists to check Mm -hmm. the land to make sure there's no stuff. Yeah, we have that that sort of stuff. We've got that, yeah. So my sister, Himera, she was an environmental health safety consultant. And basically what they do is they test the environment to see if it's inhibitable for you know, humans, I guess. But her company also does other stuff just to check whether or not they can build on that land so, and all that sort of stuff. I've never asked you this, but who funds those? Who funds that company? Like, is it? A, it's a government run. It's a private one. That one. It's a private run. Yes, but there are government organisations that also do that sort of stuff. All right. It's like anything when they contract out. Yeah. And a lot of the time, you know, there'll be private companies that do testing and all that sort of stuff. I'd be curious to know how much those results are affected in the sense like can, you know, people, because it's like scientific studies. Sometimes they're funded by these big companies and they're kind of affected by it. Like I wonder with these results as well, like what we get, is it like the whole truth or not? Always accurate. Yeah. Or are they always accurate or not? Yeah. So we also know that you love dogs. (laughs) I know that you have a German Shepherd or a cross. Yeah, he's a mix of stuff. He's a mix, yeah. Well, I've got a German Shepherd too. Tell me a little bit about dog domestication and what your thoughts are on that. And when did it all kind of start and why? I just... Yeah, Uh, you guys asked earlier what ethnosynology was, so I'll explain that to you. The study of dogs in human cultural contexts. So, like, just, it's dog anthropology in a way. Uh, So, in that field, like, is where I can answer this question. There's, like, different theories depending on, like, what kind of science you subscribe to. Like, there's zoologists and there's archaeologists yeah and like the data's there and like like we we have dogs right and we know they came from wolves like that's obvious but like how it happened you won't know until you have a time machine but like there's ways to think about it and the the plainest way to think about it is just natural selection all right put it this way you get humans that come out of Africa, walk into Eurasia, and they're just really good at killing things, really good at like moving across the environment, setting up shop, and living there. Then you have wolves, who are also really good at killing things and walking across the environment, not really getting you know checked by anything. And then they clash, so you have like this option of like, okay, I can just either like beat the humans to the kill every time and waste my time with that. Or they cook their food at night and just toss it and like we can just sneak up and take it at night. And then over time, those wolves that were like smarter in that sense just kind of slowly evolved. And like that's why you see dogs around the world like at landfills that just scavenge and like, you know, dogs pull out the trash can and just beg for scraps and stuff. It's a wolf that is evolved to live with humans. 
is, mm-hmm. is the quickest answer. It's interesting. Yeah. So like, surely they're like all sitting down, they're having like a UN roundtable conference and <laughs> one of them's like, dude, you're crazy. Why are you trying to kill them? Like, do you realize like they can give us food? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So we heard a theory some time ago from one of the guests that we spoke to. And the theory was that we became, as human race, almost extinct and that the wolves helped push us through. What are your thoughts on that? Um, in the sense that like wolves help, like domestic dogs help humans like hunt and gather kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Essentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's like a, a trope of like, not really a trope, but like a, a idea that like dogs domesticated humans in a sense, or like cats domesticated <laughs> humans. And that's kind of where that, I think along the lines of what that theory was. Um, so I'm not exactly sure which one that was that you're referring to, but like in, in that regard, the human population was really small at that mm-hmm. point in time. Um, like, like only a couple million people on the planet. Um, so like any climate shift that could just wipe out huge populations. So it's a small amount of humans. Uh, but when you have a, a literal like land predator that you can like catch with a pokeball and make it mm-hmm. your own, um, you can like now hunt a lot more efficiently. You don't have to like fear hyenas coming and eating mm-hmm. grandma and you don't have to like worry about um, you know, finding food, like it sniffs it out and stuff. So it just, it amplifies human survival. And I think that's like along the lines of, I would say that's like true. That's yeah. really, that's a really good. I actually like that theory too. Yeah, I really, it, I don't know. <laughs> like it I, makes more sense. I think it, it humbles us, if anything. I think it humbles us to be more responsible human beings, knowing that we almost fucking died. Yeah. And then yeah. this like dog god came in, like a dog, dog Jesus. <laughs> a dog Jesus. <laughs> like a dog so Jesus like with a beard. Yeah. And we <laughs> was like, I'm your messiah. I'm your messiah. I'm the messiah. Uh, like, yeah, he doesn't so, like dogs. That's my favorite thing about it. It's funny. Oh, whoa, really? whoa, 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 whoa. Excuse yeah. me? What did you so, just say? Trump <laughs> refused to bring a dog into the house because he thought they were like dirty and annoying. So Biden now has two like purebred German shepherds, one's rescued and like they rescued. have their own Twitter account. And the, major. <laughs> it's awesome. Major. Yeah, yeah, major and uh, champ, I think. And champ, oh, yeah. Oh, that's champ. right. Yeah. So yeah. what I'm curious about is how they got from a wolf to all these, like I'm talking like sausage dogs. and So like I talked about the natural selection of it, like with wolves kind of selecting themselves for to be dogs. There's also the idea that maybe humans were actively picking them and causing like artificial selection. And that's where you have, okay, that like those wolves are really fast. Like we want to like, I almost said download. We want to domesticate <laughs> those wolves or like those ones are really strong. But in the beginning, it's probably just, well, you get like the stock wolf, you know, hmm. but then like later on during the Neolithic, when we start farming and there's division of labor, you're going to get dog breeders and then you're going to get like herders and you're going to get like people that race dogs. And then you start yeah. breeding because you want that desired outcome. Um, so early on, you get really fast dogs like greyhounds and um, like Salukis. And then you get like hound type things because you want to have a dog that's good hunting. Mm-hmm. Uh collie type things and then if you just think about that exacerbating through the centuries um it comes to a head like or most dogs kind of look like dingo-ish like, yeah. like yeah. all the yeah. native the American dingo dogs. is the, kind of the like middle kelpies yeah, yeah. And like, well even like, more dingo than kelpies this breed that just exists quite widely but you will what? see those dingoes dingoes yeah and like bulldogs and stuff like how do you get that snoot or chihuahua like who what what use yeah. was a chihuahua i think they were a status item 
like elite, but it was like they're from Mexico. Yeah, you just like you pick a dog um, and just you want like like a Sharpay, like the Chinese dogs, mm-hmm. like that, yeah. that wrinkly skin. It's like a designer thing. You want that desired outcome and you look for it. So it comes to a head in like Victorian England, which is where like, you know, us colonial people get our dogs from. And then that's where you start getting like the teacup dogs and you get schnauzers and you get like all those like spaniels and things like that. So then you get the kennel club that starts then. And yeah, you just pick a dog that you want and it just goes from there. I don't understand how they mutated them to look like that almost. Well, sex. Yeah, no, I get that. But, I mean, don't you often need a breed that looks like that to begin with? Not really. Well, like genetics. So if, you, if you think about, like, a, like what is it, like little Frenchies or, like, bulldog type things, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're taking, like, that big, long wolf snout, right, and you're pushing it in further to look more human. So you're, you're selecting for bigger puppy eyes and you're selecting for, like, a more flat human face. And like, that's probably what people were going for first. And then it like, those mutations like came out and it looks more like kind of how we see a bulldog now. Yeah. And like, they're obviously made for their muscles and stuff too. How long has the species of wolf been around for? A couple million years. I want to say like three, like a a gray wolf as we know it. I I think three, I'd have to get the date, but um, I think so. Like canids have been around for like a long time. Um, but yeah, like wolves like that. And then dogs, the newest genetic evidence for it is about 22, or sorry. Um, yeah, 22,000 years ago. Okay. What sort of breed do you think is the closest to the wolf at the moment? There's like hybrids. So you can like breed a wolf with like, like a German shepherd wolf or like a, Mm. I haven't seen a beagle wolf, but I'm sure it's out there. It, yeah, it there's depends a wolf dog. on like the so wolf dog is yeah. or like, like a husky and yeah oh yeah, yeah. I think it's like Arctic dogs are closest. I know like the very earliest lines of dogs are like oddly in those Chinese uh, dog breeds that are like the Sharpays and the Chow Chows and things like that. Like they have a very old genetic line, but like the first dog like things are like dingoes and uh, like New Guinea singing dogs and like mm-hmm. the Amerindian dogs. Or the Why American- are they called New Guinea <laughs> singing dogs? They uh, they howl really like interesting. They don't bark. They have this like piercing That's... like yelp kind of howl. Well, huskies howl as well. Yeah. And they're like, if you think about it, they like are bred to work as a team on like a sled and then singing dogs like they live in a jungle. So they have to like communicate through the jungle really loudly. What are your thoughts on, I guess, greyhound racing? Um, I never really thought about it. It's a good question. Well, the answer is I hate it, but go on. <laughs> <laughs> like if they're bred to do something. And like, they're obviously like, I mean, in, in terms of like dog fighting, like they're probably don't like it, but like in terms of like dogs like to run, they like to play. So if like the dog is bred to like run really fast, I'm sure they enjoy running really fast, but to like mm-hmm. whip them and like, you know, make them do that all day, every day and put stress on their joints and, you know, yeah. gamble and stuff. I don't think it's like probably the best. You think practice, you're breeding too many dogs right now, David? I would say I, there's- I, I barely see wolves anymore. Like, when was the last time you saw a wolf? There's well, it's not thing. in Australia. Like, wolves are, like, suddenly, slowly becoming these mystical creatures. And they were really endangered. Now they're, like, put back on, like, a non-endangered list. But mm-hmm. it switches all the time. And that's a whole political issue here. Because uh, ranchers want their ranch land. And mm-hmm. they don't want wolves there. But then, yeah. like, conservationist people want the wolves to return to their 
natural habitats and populate where they naturally want to, but then they'll come and eat everyone's chickens and cows and stuff. Yeah. So it becomes a an issue. So if you put yeah. the wolves on the endangered species list, you go to jail if you shoot them. Um, but like also at the same time, when I grew up in New York City, I was like, yeah, save the wolves. But then like when I went out west and someone put it into perspective, like if a wolf comes up to your property, if you respect the hell out of wolves, like obviously I do. But like if it attacks your dog, what are you going to do? Like, do I go to jail and shoot the wolf or do I let it kill my dog? And it's like, oh, that's a good question. We as a population have grown. The more food we need now, the more farming we need now. And, you know, because of that, like we have technically have taken over their natural surrounding. So what do you think or what are your thoughts on emotional intelligence when it comes to dogs? Yeah, the main thing that separates dogs and wolves is their emotional intelligence, right? So, I mean, there's obviously physical characteristics and their bone structure is a little different, but wolves are very intelligent among each other and they're like very like carnivorously intelligent and they're like a wild animal, like just very intelligent creatures. But then dogs are bred or evolved to like... Be around humans. Yeah, completely like exist around humans. So like... The coolest way to explain this is like there's experiments where they put wolves and dogs in a cage, like different cages. Mm. The wolf will try its best to get out of the cage as long as it possibly can until it falls asleep or like bleeds, like scratching its paws. Whereas a dog will like eventually just wait because it knows the person will come back and open the cage. So So like they just, yeah, they like just. Well, they're dependent. Dogs yeah. are dependent and wolves are not. And so like same I, with coyotes, they'll get out the same way. You know, we've made someone so dependent on us. That's why they say right. like, dogs are your best friends because a dog's like, you're the best human in the world. And that's what like surprises me so much is this trust and this love. It's uh, like, uh, it is actually unconditional. It's unconditional. And <laughs> I, I don't think it exists anywhere else. What are your thoughts on the way humans keep them? A lot of the times, a lot of these dogs do get neglected. There needs to be less dogs, for sure. Like, we don't need, especially here in America, there's so many dogs in shelters. And it might, it might be the same there. But yeah. Like, people get, like, a nice dog, that like, a pretty-looking dog, like a husky or, like, a German shepherd, and then have no idea how to train it. And then it starts biting people, and they get rid of it. And then the poor dog has a bite history, and then it eventually gets put down. And it, it wasn't its fault. It's just dogs, they're the only tool they have is their mouth. And like, what are they going to do if they don't know what to do? So my my big thing is it, it, imagine being a human that like was never put through school or like, you know, you didn't, yeah like it wasn't socialized correctly. You'd come out like Pretty not socially, but like with a dog, if you get one and just leave it in a cage or chained up all day, like it's trapped in its mind. Because they're intelligent animals and it doesn't know and it has a extreme emotional intelligence. So it knows it's neglected. They get yeah. depressed. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. So like if you train your dog, you at least have a way of like, I mean, ancient humans like figured it out immediately. Like we can communicate through food and calories. Mm. So like if once you learn that language with your dog, like now I can get him to sit, come lay over, like do whatever he needs to do. They achieve their potential. Mm-hmm. So if it's just the dog that gets adopted to be a family dog and no one plays with it after the first year, it's like, I find that very sad, but it's just the reality that we live in, you know? Which which happened during quarantine. Yeah. Like this is one of the big, you know, the, the issue that we're now seeing the effects of is, you know, how there's so many pets that were just given up. Yeah. Because people are like, whoa. Which is really heartbreaking. It is. Because yeah. everyone wanted a companion during the lockdown. 
And suddenly when the lockdown was over, time to go to work. Yeah, it's sad. I have a question. What are your thoughts on imprinting? Does that exist? What's imprinting? Like when you get a puppy, for example, they kind of connect to you in a way. Does that make any sense? No. Like through Wi-Fi? (laughs) I was going to say, like there's a... Dial up. (laughs) Through Bluetooth? (laughs) No, as in, so people say that often when you get a puppy, they grow up with you so they bond with you, in other words. Do you think that that's a thing with dogs or do you think that they don't really know any better? I don't know enough to give like an official answer, but I would say they do know who raised them and like their owner. You got to think of it like they don't see the world through their eyes like we do. That's all through smell. So if they saw their owner, they'd probably be like, okay, it's another person. But then like when they smell their scent somewhere, then it would trigger the response in their brain. Like, I remember this. And like... I've seen my dog, like he hasn't seen my girlfriend's dogs in like a few years. But like when I went to visit her and came back, he smelled them like in the luggage because they were playing in my luggage. Yeah. And like I saw he like he remembered that smell, like whether he knew it was Murphy and Maya, I don't know. But he like you could tell there was recognized something recognized it. Yeah. So they, they have a memory for that. And I think it definitely imprints. And especially with the shepherd, like you probably have seen this, like it's there's a bond between like the their human and them that's like very different from other dogs I think Um, so you think that shepherds are a bit unique in that way yeah I've had many dogs and like I've not had a relationship with a dog like I have with Strider it's like it's interesting it's like why do you you say that can you say more yeah he just like I had a lab before this and like with him he just picks it up and like when I have friends over I can say like nope and he'll just go do his thing um, and he, he's calm with the doorbell rings he'll just stay until I tell him to go you know and it's well that's definitely not for those dogs no, so I don't know what, not which my, dog. you're my talking. dog's a psychopath yeah, he's, oh, okay. he loses the plot if Sahil comes over or something like but he just he, cannot he just brings a ball straight away brings a ball <laughs> his like first thing is right now. I smelled I mean, yeah he'll do that too yeah <laughs> I smelled a friend let's play <laughs> He actually loses it and goes psycho. Does, uh, I mean, do they like cuddle with you at all or do they like yes. kind of stay by your feet constantly? And, yeah. Okay. Um, but Rambo actually does like his own space as well. He loves his own space. Like after a while, yeah. I think, he okay, gets a bit ooh, this is an interesting suffocated. question. <laughs> okay, do okay. dogs take over the personality of their, uh, well, Person. I don't want, yeah, their person. I don't want to call it owners. It's a shit word. Does I would say happen? yeah. Yeah. I think so. Because if you have like a like abusive, crazy household, like your dog's probably going to be more apt to like be a, Yeah. And like I know during quarantine while I was just laying here like all yeah. day, like <laughs> yeah. he was doing the same thing because he can't yeah. do like, you know, so it's Because um, I felt yeah. that with, with Huda, like the days Huda is like really like having a bad mood day, like Rambo as well, like he takes on that personality. Like he has, he, he's like, stay away from me. I don't, I don't want to be around you. Like, it's really interesting over the years I've seen him kind of take over your personality. I it's didn't really, even realize that. To you be wouldn't realize it because you stay with him, right? Yeah. But for me, I'm like, wow, it's like a bitchy Huda. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Huda in a, in a dog version. But, so. but again, give him a treat. He's fine. Give Huda yeah. a treat. Not fine. Not fine still. <laughs> so. Uh, that reminds me of another question. Uh, we had actually interviewed um, an animal investigator whose first project was with 
dogs um, and he rescued these dogs from uh, the Baird family who were selling these dogs to labs for experimental tests. And one of the things he said was, he kind of said like, you know, it's actually really good to have a rescue dog because there's less amount of work that goes in to actually training a rescue dog rather than getting a puppy because people have this obsession with puppies. And mm. I get it. It's like the same thing with babies, right? It's like they're cute and cuddly, but, but not a lot of awareness is there about like why rescue dogs could actually be good for you. And, and that's why there are so many now. So do you, do you know if there's some psychological or like should people be taking more rescue dogs? Yeah, my rule is like there's nothing wrong with adopting a puppy if you put the effort into it and like want to raise it. Like I adopted Strider. I didn't rescue him. He's too pretty to have been rescued. But yeah. like, mm. um, You were, use the word uh, adopted. That's a really nice word. Like instead of bought, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah I like that. I really yeah. like Because it takes out the transactional element out of it. And it, and it is kind of like adopting because you're taking yeah. them from their parents. From their mom. Yeah. And he was born like in a trailer in Wyoming and like oh. with a bunch of other little puppies. And like, it's not that he was like in a bad situation. It's just like, I could give him a good home. Yeah. So it's like, in a sense, kind of similar. But yeah. my rule is like, if you adopt a dog, you also should rescue one too. And like all of my other animals have been rescues. Yeah. And I, I agree that or, uh, rescuing a dog is a really good thing to do, especially if it's like a, a good tempered dog and you mm. know, like, like it's just a, a family dog. Give it yeah. a good life. Doesn't need to be in the shelter. But on the other hand, like I was saying before with like shepherds and huskies that don't get trained and then get put in shelters their whole life, like they're going to have a history. They're going to be very problematic. Um, and it's like you have to go into it with a mindset of like, hey, I'm going to train this rescue dog and rehabilitate it or else yeah. it's just going to go to the next home. Yeah. Well, my second dog, so I've got two. My second one, she's a Kelpie cross and she's a rescue. She's got her own set of issues. However, they have a good dynamic. So I know exactly what you mean of, well, to be honest with you, first when I adopted Rambo, it wasn't, it was kind of, doing it without any knowledge about rescuing or any of that sort of stuff. For me, it was just like, I want a dog. Obviously, since adopting him, I've had a change of heart and I understand things a little bit better, um, which is something he granted me. So, yeah. And the interesting thing yeah. about Lily is that, that Lily surprises you every day. Like with Rambo, you're kind of, it's predictable behavior. Because you know him. You know him. You've trained him. Yeah. Normal like more importantly but with Lily we don't know her history she'll give you these quirky moments where you'll be like it's like being a human like that she's she's a bit like she'll be unexpectedly doing something and you'll be like whoa Lily didn't, didn't that expect coming. that yeah I have a question so you know your podcast a life in ruins like what made you kind of start a podcast we uh it was actually a fellow grad student of mine in grad school that wanted to do a podcast when I was there and I was like, dude, I don't have time for that. <laughs> um, and then I was doing the ethnosynology page uh, after we graduated and was doing the social media thing. And then he was like, all right, you want to do it now? And I said, sure. And the audience, like, cause like you get all the old professors that are there now that are published, have their books mm. and like, it's all like, a bunch of old dudes, like talking to each other at conferences. Like we what. thought you were apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then now it's like we have social media. None of them were cashing in on it. And we wanted it to be like, okay, let's interview the grad students that are also broke and don't have any way to get their research out yet or haven't been published yet and hear what they have to say. What are they doing? 
it's interesting stuff yeah. and we put that out there and then now that it's gotten a little bigger we like interview more like well-known archaeologists and get their opinions on stuff what sort of research has been some of your favorite what's challenging like yeah. that that really challenged you uh my graduate thesis was like a giant like mythbusters experiment um and okay. i got like a big bow and arrow machine that shot obsidian like arrows into a target and i was trying to test like whether or not um like weight had something to do with like the projectile point size and whatnot shoot it in ballistics gel but yeah I, that was challenging because it was the first time i had like my own project that i had to run start to finish and like publish on and i i guess the coolest thing we had to do was a, a mammoth excavation in wyoming mammoth excavation yeah so there's like a um, mammoth yeah yeah you know, it was a juvenile mammoth like not like a baby but it was like a sub-adult and it got killed in a river they killed the animal there and then they built like a village around it or like some kind of camp where they like took its hides and like sewed you know clothes out of it and whatever um so they found the mammoth we dug that out and we we're looking for evidence of whether it was hunted or not and then we found like a big spearhead near the mammoth and that was awesome oh. and it had elephant blood on it so you've got your yeah. work on your website I have, uh, like, most of the stuff that I, like, put out is on my website. I, I had one more question, actually, before before we end this. Yeah. Was, yeah. do you know much about how uh, dogs have kind of been portrayed in religions? Because it's a, all cultures, specifically, I'd say, because there's this really weird culture uh, in India. It's not many people know, so it'll be interesting for the listeners. So, uh, there are certain uh, cultures or communities in India where a, a woman's horoscope or a girl's horoscope says that she'll never get married. In India, they believe massively into horoscope and stuff, and they get them married to dogs. But don't they do that to... Don't they marry them to cows as well, though? Or is it just dogs? Well, I know specifically of dogs. Like okay. that, That's the thing of like marrying the girl to a dog. Once she's done that, like the curse kind of goes away. That is so weird. So, have you heard about similar things in like religion or culture, or this is like, am I blowing your mind here? <laughs> I had not heard about the marriage to dogs. That's really cool. So, yeah. I'm sure when religion came into being, dogs were considered either impure or like, you know, someone that are dirty, which still a lot of people Islam think. Islam kind of, a lot of Muslims kind of think that way. Really? Yeah. Is it just dogs or all animals in general? No, dogs. Um, as in to keep as pets, they prefer to keep cats because cats clean themselves. However, dogs oh, do too, really. Oh, that's really interesting. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's, a, it's just a cultural thing more so, I guess. I don't know. Well, there's but, nothing. Yeah, I think so. It technically is correct. Like cats do clean themselves. and But so do dogs. Like Rambo sits there licking himself for ages. Yeah, but have you seen his paw marks on the walls yeah, everywhere? it's disgusting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, like if you think of like Anubis in Egypt or... Cerberus, like the three-headed dog in Greece, uh, and then like Fenrir, the wolf in like Norse mythology, mm. they all have like some kind of death cult to them. Oh. Um, and like cult. Anubis varies, like varies the living to like the realm of the dead, right? And then like weighs your heart or whatever. And then Fenrir and his sons like eat the sun during Ragnarok. And then uh, like the Maya, they thought like when you die, your dog um, like meet you, or the Aztec, sorry, is like meets you on the other side of the river to like help take you to the nine lands of the dead. And then like there's a lot of indigenous mythology here that like dogs have something to do with the dead. 
And that seems to be like cross-cultural. And I, I don't know. So the leading theory that I've subscribed to is like, especially with the Egyptians, like jackals scavenge tombs all the time because they want to eat like the dead stuff. Like in the Egyptian sense, I think they more see it as like, not that they're disturbing the dead, but like they're protecting the dead in a sense. And like, I bet ancient people saw it as that. And like, obviously we like love our dogs. Yeah, I don't know. And then it also might have to do with like, they they live and die quicker than we do. Yeah, true. Um, of course. Because I, yeah. I guess like you're, you're right, like dogs, especially jackals, if you think about them, they kind of like to eat dead stuff. I, I'd, I'd, I'd love to meet Rambo when I die on the other side. He'd be, he'd be great. I hope he recognizes me. Imagine if he can't smell me. <laughs> He's like, oh, fuck, who are you, dude? Get the fuck out of here. Well, thank you so much for your time. If, okay, one last question. Okay, if I'm had, actually busting to go to the loo. Sh- sh- <laughs> if you had to be, if you had to be a particular breed of dog in your next life, which one would you be, and why? Oh yeah, either a lab because they like have they're just good family dogs. Everyone loves labs. But you just and, said, oh yeah. Well, yeah, mine was dumb, but yeah, <laughs> yours was a dumbass. <laughs> You'd be a dumbass lab. Or, <laughs> or a husky. Like huskies seem to have like a good time. Sex appeal. Um, I think huskies have a lot of sex appeal. I would say they're a sexy dog. That's a weird thing to end on, but yeah. (laughs) Everybody. (laughs) Let's just leave it there. On the record. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time, David. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. to meet you and talk to you. (laughs) Maybe we shouldn't start with... Potentially moving into bestiality, but whatever. (laughs) 